it seems to me like we should have a couple more girls join, though. Well, we're going to do this properly. And Kimberly's going to have to represent. I, I, I'm kind of wishing you guys had a real girl on here because yeah. uh, I'm not going to be able to answer. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 74, Battle of the Sexes. Joining me this evening, sexist number one, Ian. What sex is sex number one? <laughs> You're sexist number one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sexist number one. Sexist. Cool. <laughs> sexist. Yes, okay. yes. It, it wasn't endearing. <laughs> sexist number two, Mac. Winter is coming. And the anti-feminist. Kimberly. Um, hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and I'm all of the above, your host, Brian. <laughs> How is everybody doing? Doing good. All right. That intro good. seemed appropriate, yeah. right? So, Brian, I guess you've got some news. The pitter-patter of tiny feet. Yes. I, I am now an owner of a yellow-sided green cheek conure, just like Mac. Uh, I actually haven't achieved the status of being an owner of one yet. Oh, really? I just happen to have one in the house that 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 does, makes me do things. Well, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. a parent. Well, you know, in a sense, I mean, there's there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it's it, I mean that it's like having well, with these, like having a three year old forever. Yep. So. But like some of the bigger birds, you know, the cockatoos and stuff like that. And, and my mom, if she had stayed in that pet store any longer, would have brought home a cockatoo. Yeah. That, that, that was a pretty neat bird too. So yeah. So yeah. And, that, uh, that but, is a, I, I've seen that bird that you're talking about and that is a well loved bird. Yeah. But, um, and he is, he is an adorable bird, but that's the thing about cockatoos is they just, they just want to be snuggled. Right. They just want to be snuggled all the time. Um, to my experience, at least, conures are very, very adventurous. Yeah. Green cheek conures are extremely adventurous. Well, and uh, do not belong on the floor. The instigation for all of this was Tatiana has been asking me for months now, can we get a bird? I want a real bird. And so her birthday was this month. And so I, I said, okay, um, let's go ahead and do it. So we did. And so she got um, a little cockatiel that, um, that is just gorgeous. And, cockatiel. Uh, yeah, cockatiel. Yeah. And, you know, and there's, but there's a big difference. You know, the cockatiel takes a little bit longer to break in. You know, we, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not, um, as robust a bird. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but it, but it's a good one for, for Tatiana. So she's. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a good bird for it. She just needs to, needs to pay the, the right amount of attention to it and give it space when it needs and. Yeah. And give it love when it needs. So, yeah, so, yeah, so she, uh, you know, and the trick is, you know, I just want her to, you know, sit down and, and pet the bird, you know, and, and give it love. And, uh, you know, so that's what she's doing. And, you know, the, the conures, you know, different, you know, that it's like the, the cockatiels seem to be creatures of habit. So, you know, you, you kind of have to, like, if you want to change their water dish, you have to put two water dishes in there at the same time. And, and once they start drinking from the other one, you can remove, you know, the original water dish, um, stuff like that. Okay. Um, where with the Conyers, they will adapt to anything you do to them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think I mentioned to you earlier that my bird, he uh, likes to, well, actually, I always had this conversation with my parents earlier, never mind. But he likes to uh, adapt to every, every other bird's food dish that happens to be available to him. 
Sure. And just check to see what's check to see what's in there and you know, check to see if there's anything in there that they shouldn't have. Right. Like yeah. for instance, pizza crust. If you give the birds pizza crust, he will invariably go and explore every ba- every cage and throw out every piece of pizza crust except his own. That's funny. <laughs> uh, all right, Kimberly, have we given you enough time now? Are you ready to do <laughs> oh, the announcements? You shouldn't need to wait on me. I'm all good. Okay, let's go ahead and do the announcements. Okay, not too much going on for the end of the year and possibly the end of the world. Um, but <laughs> a couple of things before that happens. On Sunday the 16th, uh, the Atheists for Humanity are having YouTube night number three. Uh, if you've been to them before, they're awesome. Eric yeah. puts together a whole bunch of YouTube videos, and uh, we raise some money for charity. Uh, it's awesome. It's going to be at the Walnut Room. Make sure you attend. On Wednesday the 19th, the Boulder Atheists are doing their Atheist Classroom, How the Christians Stole Christmas. Uh, and then, as we said, the end of the world is going to be happening the weekend of the 21st. So the Mile High Skeptics are having their end of the world party on Friday. And the Freethinkers of Colorado Springs will then be hosting a Mayan survivor party, assuming, <laughs> on the 22nd. Yep. And the only other one I've got uh, on the on the schedule right now is on Sunday, December 30th. Free Thought Exchange is going to do their next event at Spirit Keepers Interface in Boulder. Don't know much more about it, but should be interesting. All right. So uh, we were contacted on um, uh, Facebook by, uh, what is this, uh, Tony Border? 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 And uh, he told us he had, you know, he, he liked our Facebook and asked us to check his out. And so, uh, and it's a uh, 76th Street podcast. 76th Street. And so I, I listened to one and, uh, I'm going to have to listen to another one because I, I don't know that, you know, it might not have been their best show, but it was four guys just kind of sitting around talking. It was interesting. But the most interesting thing about them was their sponsor. They, they, they had, um, so they had a sponsor link, so to, to get money and it was through adamandeve.com, which I thought was really kind of a, a cool sponsor because I have it on good authority that dumbass doesn't often buy sex toys, but when he does, he uses adamandeve.com. It's good wow. to know. Your, yeah. your appearances on his show must have different in <laughs> format than the ones that I was on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so I, I'll, I'll check them out a little bit more, but yeah, but I thought their sponsorship link was, was uh, quite entertaining. I thought that was cool. Good deal. I've heard them sponsor stuff on, uh, like Savage Love, Dan Savage's, uh, podcast I like to listen to. Yeah. They, they're, they're a good company. They also, what they sponsor this, uh, Sex Nerd Sonder podcast and some of the others too. So I've heard them sponsor other podcasts, but yeah, but, uh, it, it, so I didn't, you know, I, I saw the sponsorship and I'm like, well, what kind of podcast is this? <laughs> uh, but it turns out it was not a sex podcast. So a little disappointing there, but you know, we'll, I'll, I'll listen baby. to some others and we'll see. Maybe some of the others are sexier. Uh, four guys that were talking, I expected to get very sexy. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ian, tell me about the battle of the sexes. Okay, well, the Battle of the Sexes is the ongoing thing. It's never going to end, but that's fine. But apparently, well, we have learned things to Fox News correspondent. What's her name? Her name somewhere. Ah, Suzanne Binker, who apparently, um, is, actually, I guess he's not Fox News correspondent, but this is through Fox News that she wrote this. Um, apparently, she's an expert on printing and how to um, get a man and all this stuff. And I guess he went and did some research for books he was writing. And what she learned was that men don't want to get married. 
apparently that's actually gone down. Less people get married now than used to. And the reason is apparently because women aren't women anymore. Okay, I found this incredibly annoying. So, yeah, so what you, what, what the basic claim is, is that because women have asserted themselves and they, what, and they aren't what, the, the 1950s woman in the household, you know, that stays at home that's barefoot and pregnant because they don't want to be those people anymore. Men don't want to marry them because women aren't women anymore. Yeah. Am, am yeah, I missing the okay. point here? Uh, this is, this is Fox News, right? Yes. Yeah. This is Fox, Fox News. Com. This, yes. is Target uh, audience is folks in their fifties who are afraid of uh, who are afraid of uh, of liberals. <laughs> is that the same Fox News that we're talking about here? Yes, because that's is. the only Fox News that I know of. Well, there is Fox Thirty One here in Denver, right? But that's different. well, yeah. But we're talking Fox News. Yes, we are. Yes. Are you saying we're consider talking, the source? I'm saying consider the source very carefully. It might be relevant to the discussion you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying yes. there may be a slight hint of relevance here, yes. In a nutshell, yeah. women are angry. They're so defensive, though often unknowingly. Oh, really? What, what, what is that supposed to mean? If it is saying that if they would surrender to their nature, their femininity, and let men surrender to theirs, men will come out of the woodwork. Well, yeah, but see, but yeah, but so they're undefensively, unknowingly. That's because they've been raised to think of men as the enemy, armed with a new attitude. Women are push are pushing off men, pushing men off of their pedestals. You know, okay. basically, women being assertive is not women being themselves, is what they end up saying. Right. They're not being docile. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not being true to who they are if they are not sitting back and basically letting men completely control their lives. That, that's, to me, the end all of this. Now, some of this fits my wife's grandmother, who didn't work, raised the kids, and she even says stuff like she enjoys taking care of her husband and people in general. That to her, that's the main thing in life is to take care of them. And right. you know, I, I've always found it a bit odd with how much she actually does, even when she's at someone else's house. But that's how she was raised, and that's how you know she's lived. But I don't see it being relevant today. Well, uh, well, okay, you know, it's not a traditional America anymore. Right. right. You know, I mean, this, I mean, uh, okay, so let, I mean, okay, this is um, one article. Hold on a second. What, what exactly is a traditional America? Well, slavery. Okay. <laughs> um, traditional America would also be. Women nomadic, aren't allowed to vote. So no women's suffrage. Groups of tribesmen right. hunting buffalo. No, no, no women's suffrage. No black suffrage. Right? Well, Brian, you yourself have even said you really like the Institute of Marriage. You actually wouldn't have gotten buried, buried if you didn't have to for insurance reasons, right? Uh, that's true. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have. And Jen, even more so than me, was... Uh, right. Yeah, she... And I know, I, I know several couples where they're not married, but uh, they don't want to get married. It has nothing to do with the woman not being a woman. It has to do with the men, with, with actually both sides wanting... Uh, for, you know, I, I don't think it's quite accurate the way they see it, but um, they want freedom. And they see the marriage shutting them down. But they'll live together. They'll share expenses. They have kids together. They do all the stuff that you traditionally put with the marriage, but they don't get married. Right. Well, and they'll even go so far. I have a friend who charges his uh, girlfriend rent and keeps on the books just to make sure they don't even get common law married. You can sure. do that. 
Well, if you if you don't want to be considered married, you know, if you're supporting another person, particularly a woman, um, I I, I wonder what the common law um, statutes look like in in that particular case. But in this case, he can make quite clear. Listen, she is independent of me. We are not together. Right. We have a kid together. We live together. But she pays her own bills. She pays everything. We're not a couple. We're not married. So, but to be fair, a lot of my resistance towards marriage is, you know, the kind of biblical religious connotations that go with it you know right. and 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 so and so it's not and it has nothing to do with the uh, commitment by any means right and that actually fits with the article you threw in there the well, one of right don't but I, a wife i don't know i i know i are, are we are we done with this i mean this particular well, it, article I, I know but th- this this kind of this kind of stuff irritates the hell out of me and there's a, there, and why does this always have to be proposed as a power exchange what you know where it's either the, these things get framed as either men are on top or women are on top and if and if women like are on to top men myself. men feel like they don't have any yeah, power in this it's, in it's, the it's situation actually good either way what's that it's actually good either way. Women on top or men yeah. on top. Either yeah. way, it's actually I, I like good. to switch around. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'm on top, sometimes she's on top. You know, it gives a little variety to it all. Help me, Kimberly. <laughs> no, I am just, uh, I'm observing. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a little bit outside of this because my relationship does not really cross the gender line. No. And, you know, I, and we've talked before about, about all sorts of stuff with same-sex marriage and my feelings on that and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do, I find this fascinating of how the discussion comes about and, and these generalizations as if the person that you're going to be in the relationship with is some generalization. You, you know, you're going to be with married or not an individual who's going to do things their own way. So I'm always just surprised at these sweeping kind of allegations. And, you know, also to the point that you guys all already brought up. They seem to want to harken back to this, you know, great day of American tradition and history that one never really existed for everybody. And no, it did not. It's mostly just nostalgia, right? Right. Um, for the current generation of, of people who are just now crotchety and angry and stuff like that. But, but there are it's, some it's facts. just surprising to me that, that they think this is a discussion that could be somehow boiled down to men versus women. There's right. just so much more. I don't know, individuality there, that comes into it. There are well, some... So, I, so, Kimberly, in your relationship, who's on top? Again, we've got the switcheroo thing going on. Right, but and, here... And that keeps it fun. Can I, I explore thought, that for I one second here? I thought you said here? Nathan Fillion was mm. your switcheroo. Well, that's a switcheroo list. That's <laughs> yeah, a, that's, yeah, yeah, I yeah, might yeah, have used different. that out of context. Um, okay, but. so here... But here's the, here's the thing that I'd like to explore <laughs> for one second, Kimberly. In that, in that, So, you're two females... So these old antiquated rules of what men are supposed to do and women are supposed to do don't apply. And you have to, ex- and so your relationship automatically gets put onto equal terms. I mean, maybe not. I'm, I'm, am, am, am I overstating it here? Because you're both women. So, so neither one of you is expected to be the, um, yeah, uh, the what? The head I, I think I know where you're going with it. Yeah, and, and I mean, I I do appreciate that about about my relationship that we are equals. We're equals in the relationship, and kind of we are outside of those equality or power expectations. Maybe you'd say right because you know there's who's no the man in the family, here. who's the woman, you know, blah blah blah. We don't have to do that. We get to make our own rules as to who's responsible for the dishes, who's responsible for the garbage. There's no 
you know, gender lines that make that decision for us. We had to make that ourselves. And so, but don't you think that that's what men and women should be striving for instead of a power exchange, a cooperation? I would, I think that's what everybody would want. Right. And I, and you know, I, I mean, certainly in that there, in Jen and I have certain strengths, right? But not necessarily because I'm a man and, and she's be, and she's a woman. I mean, mm-hmm. she, there, there are, I mean, but we, we each have our particular strengths that we have to yield to when the other person is, is better at a particular, th- particular thing. And which is why I do all the cooking. Yes. As my wife just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> But there, there seems to me that there is an ideal here that we can strive towards. And it isn't, you know, men taking care of women. It's people taking care of people. Of each other, yeah. Yeah. And so that, so that's why I hate these kind of articles that make this all about the power exchange. And the other thing is, is that, you know, my first impression of the thing is men really got to grow the fuck up. (laughs) There are men that do. I agree with that completely. I know you want to move on to the other article now. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I well, had to... like I said, to me, don't be a wife was linked into that. That's why I moved it up to there. Because, you know, if you, the idea of don't be a wife, I'll actually finish, you know, you and Jen and Kimberly and her partner. Right. Saying that, um, it's from, from a lesbian writing that she, she loves the fact that, you know, marriage equality is happening, but she has no desire to whatsoever to get married. It's just not for her. And I think more and more, as we are progressing as a culture, marriage is becoming less and less needed. And while it's great that now, you know, we're getting more and more saying, listen, same-sex couples have the same rights as um, heterosexual couples, we still don't need to force them to get married. Because what she's saying is that once um, same-sex marriage became legal, suddenly all her friends are starting to ask, hey, when are you getting married? And she's like, well, actually, we don't really see the point in that. And so well, right I mean, there, there's a point for there's a point for some, and there's not a point for others. The point right. for some would be that that same sex marriage allows you to to share benefits with a partner. Uh, there's advantages both ways. It depends on what you desire, and you know, I, th- I think we'll be heading more and more into not needing to be married to get those rights. In fact, I, I think that's where we're headed. That, that'll actually be a good thing. That's where we should be headed. But here's the thing: is yeah. that Marriage roles and the ideas have to change as our culture changes, right? It, it, right. it cannot stay the same. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like Bill O'Reilly's, you know, um, you know, comment about a traditional America. Well, we can say the thing, same thing about a traditional marriage, right? Oh, yeah. It, it, it cannot stay the same. We're an evolving people in an evolving culture and we, and we have to be okay with the ideas here changing. But there is a certain crotchety old white male perspective that doesn't want to, what doesn't want that to happen. Right. And it, it seems to but fall back on those same lines that we always see of, uh, of fearing change. You know, uh, and, and we all know that adaptability is the important thing. Like you say, in, in a, in a culture in which Women don't work. They would need to be, uh, in general, of course, um, you would need some structures in life to make sure that they're taken care of, that they've got rights, that they've got financial, um, certainly not independence, I guess, in this way, but that, that they're, they're taken care of, right? I mean, and when I say taken care of, in this particular case, it is talking about someone doing the taking care of, but in modern life, we kind of take care of our own stuff. Right, we all have jobs to to pay the bills, and you have to do these things to to take care of 
your situation. But, you know, so much stuff has changed and so much of it is, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, uh, economic in nature. It's, you know, you can't have the same marriage structure when both people in the marriage are working. Like that 50s ideal is based on single income families. Right. It made sense to some extent for single income families, but you rarely meet a single income family anymore. Therefore, you know why? You know, it seems obvious to us that you have to change the dynamic. Then, yeah, you know why you don't see a single income family anymore? Because single income families do not have houses. Yeah, well, that's or, that's uh, true. Yeah, so <laughs> single income family just simply doesn't work. No, it, and it, it's unrealistic too. I mean, we 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 have to accept the fact that you. you both people in, in these relationships most of the time are going to have to work. Right. And even women, yeah. when they when they didn't necessarily have a job, were working their asses off. <laughs> it's not like they were sitting at home yeah, and watching Yeah, I, I certainly don't want to get into being quoted as saying that if you don't have a 9-to-5 job, you're not working at all. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like I said, for me, it's more of an economics and, you know, uh, just, just the way society works. The, the economic reality for, again, most people is that you're, you've got the dual income families, which means that both people are out of the house and bringing money in in order to survive. You, yep. you don't have the same dynamic anymore. And to, and I always find it just annoying that, you know, the, that Fox News kind of, like we said before, uh, nostalgia machine, you know, suggesting that, oh, we should go back to that is ridiculous. It's just simply not an economic reality anymore. It's it you know what I'm saying? It's it's not even a matter of choice, I think, for most people. It's it's oh, yeah. just the way things are. Yeah. I think the, the the Fox News I think that Fox News doesn't understand that Pleasantville was intended to be tongue in cheek. Alright. So the, the next thing we got in here is the thirteen year old girl asked Hasbro to end their sexist ad. This was this was pretty awesome. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. we've talked about um, gender roles in the past. We had the one, the, was it my princess son or whatever that the parents did princess a book about. Boy, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this fit in great with that. Um, what it is, is this one boy, he likes to cook and he wants the easy bake oven. But the easy bake ovens are all straight out, commercially done for girls. All, all the promotions, everything is done, targeted towards girls. And so his sister's basically upset with Hasbro that saying, listen, my little brother loves this stuff. But it makes him feel a little awkward because you guys don't seem to be marketing towards him. I- right. So she's set up a petition on change.org to get Hasbro to change their marketing. You know, I, I kind of like this comment down here from Moon Underwood, who's talking about the fact that that you know, essentially her point seems to be that to say that pink and purple are girl colors is actually perpetuating gender stereotypes of a different type. She's saying that pink and purple are not girl colors any more than blue and brown are boy colors. I love to tell the girls that pink is a boy color. <laughs> because why shouldn't it be? It's certainly not a, uh, it, it, you know, it's so cultural. It's, it's not like, you know, pulled out of a cultural context that, that this color stuff makes any sense again. It's all just what we're. What, what decisions have been made and what, what's been handed down and what's an accepted thought on it. But they're, they are kind of ridiculous. Yeah, they are. But regardless, when you look at, when you look at this Hasbro ad, 
for the Easy Bake Oven, you don't think of getting that for a boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the little girl is all in pink with the red apron, which is a no, I don't think of way. getting it for a girl either because, you know, honestly, it, it, it's a friggin' light bulb in a box. Oh, it's a terrible, it's a, we have one. It's a terrible little device. You know, Tatiana wanted the damn thing. We got it. It's horrible. It's like, you know what? Use the toaster oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and well, when you all come, when it all comes down to it, the purpose of the easy bake oven is to teach little girls that, it, that cooking is what they should be doing. Am I, am I incorrect on this or am I? Yeah, they're, they're, I they're perpetuating the, some other stereotypes. You know, and the fact of the matter is, is that men cook as much as, as much as women do. And when you think about cooking as a career, then you start looking at men as opposed to women. Your top chefs in the world are men. Now that's probably changing too, right? And, and, I, I hope so. And the top chefs in the world are men and they scream at people all the time. Well, there's some I've truth seen it on to that. TV, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Well, you know what? I never worked for a female chef. Never. There at the Brown Palace when I worked there, not a single female chef. I mean, well, there were there were women the that worked palace. there, but but we had a um uh a headline cook um that was a woman, but she got out of there. Um, but there, there weren't that many women in the kitchen cooking. Well, it's probably the reason that she probably got out of there was because of how badly her privacy had been violated. If she was a headline cook, they, they were bothering her and writing stories about her all the time. Or am I misunderstanding? Yeah, you're misunderstanding, but. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh good. Ian's back. Okay, let's see if that goes better. All right. Well, we beat that. We beat the last story into the ground. I think we're done. Okay. Oh, uh, you want to move on to chivalry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, these are all kind of connected, I suppose. Yeah, they um, are. Yeah. yeah. Ian, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, well, chivalry is one I've been um, de- wanting to do for a while, but I've been trying to work it in, and this felt like the best one to work it into. Mm-hmm. And this all comes up from a couple years ago. Me and my family were at scout camp, and I had just gone. They did a late-night hike with the boys. I went with the boys. My wife stayed behind. We came back from the hike. And for whatever reason, we only had one folding chair with us, and I decided to use it. My wife, who had stayed behind the whole time and, you know, was nice and rested, always giving me a hard time over, well, well, you should get up and let me have a chair. I'm like, I'm actually kind of tired. You've been resting this whole time. I'm going to sit. Well, one of the other people there mentions, you know, well, you're not being very chivalrous. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, let's see. My wife has is rested. She has no more need for the chair than I do. If anything, I, who just went on an extra hike, um, have more of a need for it because I should legitimately be more physically exhausted. So what is so chivalrous about me letting her have the chair at this point? And so, you know, what does chivalry mean? And it's interesting because we romanticize the idea of chivalry. And if you look in most of the stuff I put up here, it does that. There's only one link that I found that actually got kind of, that got honest about the idea of chivalry. And that was this very last one here. Um, through, what is this? Right. Um, the medieval knight talks about the knight. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it, it talks about chivalry, but it finishes up talking about the, the, more or less the truth behind it. Now, chivalry was a code where you, especially at this time, it was religious. So you made a code to value God, to um, be courteous to women, to be loyal to the king, to help the weak and stuff. But if you look, and like I said, it's romanticized. But this one actually gets to some of the more honest stuff. Now, it talks about um, knights were quite often not the ones who are inheriting the lands from the family. 
Because, you know, if, if you were the first point, you'd generally stay behind and take care of the land. The knights are the ones that would go out and have to earn it all. So they, they would plunder the villages that they um, captured. They would defile and destroy the churches and other property. And the Code of Chivalry did not extend to the peasants. The weak was widely... Well, they're peasants. Yeah, and that, that they were different. The weak were the noble women and children, not not the, the common folk. The common folk were brutalized, the women were raped. You could get away with that and still say you were being civilist. Yeah, chivalrous, sorry. Um, so right there, it's like, you know, okay, do you want, you, how, how is chivalry really that good of a thing? It, it still has the, um, a lot of the true problems that were there. I mean, yeah. I, so it, it's, it's interesting the romantic idea we have of what being chivalrous is compared to a more honest idea of what it really was. Well, yeah, but the, the idea of chivalry is tied into our, our culture, our whole culture of, you know, uh, our whole culture of, of, I- I- and the ideal of marriage as well. The idea of chivalry is tied into that. Right. Because the idea of chivalry, the ideal of it is essentially Arthur and his knights. That's where yeah. a lot of our ideas about courtly love and whatnot came from. Well, yeah, the romantic idea of it. Right. So I asked Jen about chivalry and I wrote this down because I want to get her exact quote. Um, she told me, Fuck chivalry. Chivalry. <laughs> that that's an that's an exact quote from my wife. Okay. okay. She and she. Have to, go ahead. I uh, like that you had to write it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I wanted to get it exact. <laughs> but you know, basically, she's she, she she thinks it's just utter bullshit. You know, they, these these I she, you know, and really, you look at these. This is archaic, and it was written by Bronze Age morons, the same people that wrote the Bible. Actually, I think you're, uh, I think you're incorrect. I think these morons were Iron Age morons. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so, well, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's vitally important. <laughs> I think it's vitally important from an anthropological standpoint that we correctly identify what era our morons are from. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, like in the case of that cure, if I saw my wife had a more physical need for it than I did, I would have let her have it. At that point in time, I didn't see that she had more of a physical need for it. I did. And so it's like, why would I, if we're on equal footage and I have more of a need for it than she does, what benefits either one of us for me letting her have it? You know, if she was pregnant, if she was injured, if she was, you know, if she had gone on the hike and I didn't, it'd make more sense for me. Okay, you have a more need for it. I will give it to you. Well, but but it, it's foolish for me to treat her as if she's weaker just to, just because she's a woman and that I have to go out of my way, you know, to let her have certain comforts that don't really make sense as why she has a higher priority for them than I do. You know, the, here's the thing is that we can, we can completely disregard this idea of chivalry and we can just bring in respect, right? Right. Respect the other person. But you know, the, the you know, there are certain norms in dating that may not necessarily be done because they're chivalrous, right? Like in you know, the article talks about, you know, well, men paying for the meal when they go out. Well, okay. But I, I think that we well, can look at that as a toss up too. idea because it's accepted yeah. that men, right. men are the breadwinner. But we can change that to whoever asks who out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, can. Can, we can deal with can, it that way. I, I, I go for that. These things can be updated in, in a way that makes sense. Right. Well, and in a way that makes sense that's that's a little bit genderless. I mean, I'd go even so far, like, you know, like, let's say it's further along dating. It's not like the first date kind of thing. If two people are together and one of them makes 100000 a year and the other makes 25000 a year, 
I think it is chivalrous for the $100,000 a year maker to pay for dinner. I don't care what gender they are. Well, <laughs> yeah, but now, now that $100,000 a year maker is going to pay a little bit more tax, and so he may not be. <laughs> and he probably has higher. To Obama. <laughs> that, that person probably has higher expenses, too. So, you know, the other person might be in a better situation to buy the meal. All right. Huh? I'm still saying. I know it's my personal code, but <laughs> that would be but like, my expectation. Opening the doors. You know, the, the, the chivalrous idea is you open the door for a lady. I open doors for people that need it. I, I see an yeah. adult male with uh, pushing the stroller. I'm going to open the door for the guy. You know, I, I, I open sure. the door. door I open the door, and if somebody's walking up close behind me, I let them go nope, through the door. Right, I don't but, care whether they're male, female, elderly, carrying a ton of stuff, or just happen to just happen to be walking along. Right, I open the door because whoever I think that's gets, my thing to do. Whoever gets to the door first should open the thing. Well, but like I said, I, I, I've had cases, especially knowing what it's like to be pushing a stroller and stuff, where I, I, I've helped the guy who might not necessarily even been in front of me, but I'll go and hold the door open for him and say, you know, you need the help. It's not because of anything more than he needs the actual help. And, this is you know, I, this is totally an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. This is Larry David standing there waiting for a woman to open the door because she got there first. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here's my here's my thought. Nobody opened the door. Just go right through it. You're going to need a good run-up to get through it, but that's tempered glass. You're not going to get cut up too badly. You know what? It's designed to shatter. You know what? you got a good point. All doors should be automatic so that we don't have this problem. Doors should open themselves. This whole antiquated idea that we should have to open a door in the first place, that's ridiculous. You are putting crazy words. You're putting words in my crazy mouth. (laughs) Don't do that. Let us all be lazy, damn it. But yeah, so a, a lot of the ideas of chivalry should be adjusted to be just polite. You know, there are polite, normal things that, hey, it's not going to hurt me to go the extra mile for anyone, no matter what sex they are, no matter age, any of that. It's just being polite. And then to expect that in return should not be a, uh, too much to ask. So right. it's just the golden, the, the golden rule. If Jesus were to come back today, you know, instead of, you know, do unto others, he'd probably just be like, look, just don't be a dick and help out where you can. <laughs> That's right. Don't be a dick. <laughs> well, you know, the, the idea of chivalry, uh, uh, like, it still comes up. People still seem obsessed with it and really romanticize the whole thing and take it to, you know, it's a different level than it needs to be. It's like, it, it gets absurd, and I think it adds to some of the you know stuff we've been talking about with the war on men and such. Is by having this romanticized idea of chivalry out there, it makes people more likely to say, "Oh, we have to treat the genders differently." You know, women have to be women in these preconceived ideas. So here's my thought: if people are going to be following the chivalrous code, quit cherry picking and do the whole thing. <laughs> I'm expecting them to have lands. I'm expecting them to keep their horses in good order. I'm expecting them to keep their armor in good order. I'm expecting squires. You know, and their damn squires can open the door. And that, you know, <laughs> it, it makes you think. You know, remember the times when you know men were men and sheep were scared. <laughs> that still happens in Wyoming. <laughs> there goes our Wyoming listener. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> our Oklahoma listener too. There goes our Wyoming listener nodding his head. <laughs> yep. Mm. I'll tell you, I mean, just going over this stuff, it, it does make me a little, um, I guess, maybe grateful that, you know, all of these things are, again, part of my my relationship. Um, it's just kind of nice having that, that gender preconceived notions kind of removed from it. You know, again, I, I, I feel like I, I wouldn't say fuck chivalry myself. I think I would just 
personally wanted, you know, again, more of that equality kind of thing. If everybody acted this way towards everybody else and, you know, just went, uh, took an extra half a second out to be nice to people, well, that that sounds good. It sounds like a well, good and, place. Yeah. And does that does that or does that not just sum up right there, like Jesus' whole message? Wouldn't it be nice if people were nice to each other for a change? Yeah. <laughs> I do have to take uh, I do have to take issue with this one article you've got in here, Ian, the ThinkQuest library one. Okay, it's talking about armor and weapons, <laughs> and it said that the the sword weighed thirty two pounds. There's no friggin' There's no way, way. hell that a sword would weigh thirty two pounds. I possess swords; they do not weigh over ten pounds. I well, I thought a claymore only weighed about ten pounds. Yeah, so the the Viking sword that they've got pictured in there that's about a Six to seven pound sword at most. Well, it had a granite even, hilt. Even with older technology. <laughs> yeah, I agree, that does sound a bit. You know, and, I'm, and older technology, I'm talking about uh, older alloys of metal. Right. No, I, I agree, that does sound rather heavy. I, there are swords that are that heavy, I know for a fact, but they weren't common. And they, well, they you know, also I, weren't designed to be picked up. Yeah, well, how would you yeah. wield it? I mean, like I say, even a claymore, like one of the biggest swords around, was five to ten pounds. 32, definitely. I'd like to know where they got that figure. I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's just a mistype. But that, that's the one I You know where they got it from? Picked. They probably mistranslated the damn, damn player's handbook. We <laughs> <laughs> misread the player's handbook. And because some of this stuff in here looks like it's good information. Some of it looks like it's recycled D&D well, information. You wait a second. You know it's true because look at that. Right after the 32 pounds, it says 2D6. <laughs> I picked this one because it's the only only one I could find that de, de romanticized the idea of chivalry. Yeah, I I do like the fact that they talk about the change in armor and the fact that the chainmail was heavy, uncomfortable, and difficult to move in, where uh, whereas the plate armor was hot, uncomfortable, and heavy to wear. So apparently, the plate armor is better winter wear than the chainmail. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Well, and usually you had chain underplate on top of it, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like anything we find, you know, do your own research beyond it. No, don't. On second thought, <laughs> listen, we're right on this, and, and uh, chivalry has to go, and in replacement, we're just going to be nice to each other. But the, the site itself, we link to maybe inaccurate in parts. <laughs> you know, go beyond us. We're in parts? <sighs> <laughs> I think that's you know they definitely have some stuff right. Listen, here's the thing: is if they if they've gotten this far, especially into this podcast, they're they're already googling the stuff to figure out where we went wrong. That's <laughs> true. They already know. <laughs> so if you know the truth about the weight of the swords, what they should be, feel free to tell us off. If the knights actually did run around with thirty-two pound swords, which will surprise us completely, you have evidence. Send it our way. <laughs> That'd have to be particularly good evidence, either. Clearly, <laughs> um, you know, I can. I saw it I on can, the internet. I says right. I can weigh. I can weigh my blades and get an average for you if you would like. <laughs> I believe my longsword, which does not have a historical analog, but I believe my longsword weighs about six pounds, five to six pounds. All right. And that seems light, just for, like, going to Renfest and wearing a sword one day. It knocked my back completely out of whack having that on one side of my head. Right, but you wore it on one side all day long. Yeah, oh, and eventually, 
<laughs> eventually that is gonna eventually that's gonna wear on you. It's it's not the weight initially. Initially the weight is not gonna be a problem. It's just over time and the way it's gonna change how you walk is gonna knock your back out. Um you would actually probably have been better was... off sorry, go ahead. I just said I thought it was because I was getting old. <laughs> uh, I think it was probably a change in the way you were walking. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're wearing a sword on the hip, you are probably going to be swinging your left leg a little bit differently in order to avoid the way that the sword scabbard is swinging as you walk. And as that go as that happens over time, you're going to knock your back out of whack. Right. You'd actually be better off with a sword for all day wear. You'd be better off with a back scabbard because that distributes the weight more evenly and everything else. This got a little bit too needlessly nerdishly technical, didn't it? Yeah. You're not, and you're <laughs> also not supposed to time. drag the right leg as, as you walk. That's bad. Walk like this. <laughs> All We're right. Fair castle. Are we done? Yeah. I think we're we're done. done with chivalry. All right. So, well, before we go on to this other update, um, you know, we, we talked about the, uh, the birds and the, the cuckoos and how they were able to teach the, the code to their young so that the, so uh-huh. they, so the reason that works is that the gestational period is longer uh, of the, of those birds. And so, okay. they, so they lay the eggs and they teach it as soon as they lay the eggs. And when the invader comes, they lay them later. So the code is already taught by then. Okay, and that so makes, they that so they, perfect right, sense. So they don't learn the code, and uh, and the other um, the other one, the Bigfoot DNA, which we pretty much I mean, nailed. I mean, we we missed some technical stuff. Um, the best um review of that that I've heard is on Monster Talk, and so um, so if you're interested in in more of that and you don't already listen to Monster Talk, uh, that's a good one to to uh, to talk to. They talk to a guy who um who does a lot of uh DNA research and stuff like that, and is on a lot of the boards and the magazines. And one of the things he said is, is just listen. I'm on most of the boards of the reputable um, journals that would publish this, and I don't know anything about it. And I would pr- probably have been asked to review the data if it, you know, if it was being submitted to any of those journals, or at least I would have heard that it was being, you know, looked at by another peer reviewer. And so it, it, it so it was kind of telling that um, that somebody who's, you know, on the board of these journals hasn't heard anything about this research. And the other thing is, is that um, this this woman is also one of the ones that claims that, you know, she's got Yetis in her backyard and um, and that she can't take pictures of them because they're too shy. And she's been promising this DNA re- research for five years now. So so it so there's some questions as to whether or not we'll ever see it. So check out Monster Talk. That was it. So they, they covered that well. And our next update is uh, to a story uh, that we did on Podcast 38. Um, where we, where a psychic, um, had called a, uh, Texas police department and told them that, um, there was a house that they, that they saw clairvoyantly, a house with a mass, mass grave and children in it and all this and explained it, you know, to these police officers and they followed up the lead and went into this person's house and, um, you know, and, and they, you know, I think even the FBI got involved at some point. Uh, I don't remember that for sure, but anyway, so it was this big debacle. And so these, uh, so the people that, um, uh, who were the victims of this are suing the police department and the psychic who, who did this. Oh yes. And the FBI was involved, but they're, they're suing, suing the sheriff's office and the psychic who, who gave the tip. Um, Ben Radford goes as far as to call it a hoax. I, I, that, I think that that would imply, um, malice intent. Like they knew that for sure that what they were saying wasn't true. I, I don't know that that's the case, right? But maybe we'll find out in this lawsuit. The, uh, psychic went by the name of Angel, who I guess they currently don't actually have the actual identity of the psychic yet. 
So that's one of the things that they're going to have to uh, to figure out um, for this to go on. But uh, but they have it. They have decided to go ahead and sue. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. That should be interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about this because on, on one hand, if if the psychic did it maliciously and knew for some reason that that grave wasn't there and they just called the police to see what would happen, I think that would be malicious. I would agree with it that that would be malicious. But I kind of think, I don't know for sure, that this person probably believed what they were saying. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any way to, to put an agenda onto the psychic at this point. So I don't know where the suit can go. I mean, it can, if they can prove malicious intent on this, on the part of the psychic, I think that's going to be kind of difficult. But there's another question. You know, the officer said that they had to respond to every claim that was made. So they got a tip. <laughs> Should they have gone? Well, but it was from a psychic. She has no actual evidence. She hasn't seen anything physically. Do we disregard it? Uh, I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Um, certainly, yeah, You're I, getting I, into those issues of if someone truly believes something, are they lying? Even if you know, it's very demonstrable that they're wrong, you know, and you can take this on the religion track, right? If, you know, you can say, oh, you don't really believe that. But if they claim they do, then they do. And are they lying to themselves? And does it matter? I mean, it, it gets into some really thorny questions. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that you're being so generous with them, because part right. of me would be like, yeah, let's go ahead and, and get these people. They're causing harm. They're spending money, basically, you know, with the, the police resources for foolishness. And, and even if they truly believe in their own psychic abilities, I mean, they're being willfully ignorant, right? They know on some level or another, even if they're not prepared to, to say it out loud, that they're BS. They know that their predictions haven't won out. They know that, you know, when they're doing this stuff, that it's not real. Yeah, right. do they know that though? I mean, that's that's what they're gonna have to prove. I suppose. I, I don't um, know. I I just I I I'm struggling with this one because, I mean, I don't know. Is is it Pendulet that says that um, he doesn't believe there's a god, and he also doesn't believe that anybody else actually believes it? I mean, I, we're 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 kind of getting into a trap, you know. It's like, yes, I don't believe that that somebody can be psychic. I haven't. I don't believe that it's been demonstrated. But because it hasn't been demonstrated, should the police have actually followed up that tip? I because, suppose they had to follow up the tip because, like you say, you don't always know all of the information on something like that. And it would be worse if it turned out to be a legitimate tip that you didn't follow up, and then you'd have to answer the question. You knew three months ago that there were bodies here. At least that's how it would be phrased in the media. Um, you know, why didn't you ever investigate it if you'd heard this? Right, but how but would I don't you know. follow, I don't know. You follow I mean, up like the Like you tip? say, when you have those faith healers, and, you know, this, this goes oh. into a lot of the discussions we have on this program. If, you're, if you believe that praying over somebody will heal them, and that you shouldn't go to a doctor because you honestly believe your health, the, the person's health is controlled by prayer and God's will and stuff like that, are you... You know, do you have a right to that belief or are you morally and lawfully culpable? I would say you're culpable. I, and it doesn't matter that you believed it 
and it turned out to, I don't know I, I I mean it's it's a it's an interesting point and I think once you head down that road you could go really really far with it well here's the that, that's an inter- that's interesting because when I look at those faith healers <laughs> I want to jail them all mm-hmm. and because in 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 the in cases specifically where they're harming children and so if I apply that here the psychic is negligent and is culpable and should have to pay for this investigation. Right, regardless of whether or not the belief was sincere. I, I think okay. I think what we're coming down to is, is the sincerity of the belief at all relevant? And I don't know. I mean, I, I would, again, I'm with you. I would say off the top of my head, um, you know, regardless of what they thought they believed or not, it's irrelevant, they're responsible. But boy, does that open up a floodgate of stuff. That is a can of worms. The same thinking could be applied in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, what, what it, I mean, it it seems to me that a tip that you give to the police should in some way be actionable. It's like, um, you know, I saw a bloody shovel on the back porch, (laughs) right? Well, how'd you know it was blood? (laughs) Well, it was red. Could it have been paint? Well, maybe. uh, but, you know, the, the tip you give to the police should be actionable. And there is a reason why they, they get information from you when you call a 911 call in. Right. What I'm curious about is why they were not able to get such information when this, when this call came in. Yeah, it seems like the police didn't really, well, I don't know, but if they have the records, I, we, I guess I don't know, we don't know. But they called in, the FBI got involved in this. This was not cheap. Right, and we, the taxpayers, are ultimately the ones paying for the the services. So, yeah, but like you say, at the same time, if somebody called up and they were right on and, you know, they simply didn't divulge, maybe because they themselves would have been, you know, the, the Fifth Amendment kind of stuff. Right. If they had said something, they may have been endangering themselves or they may have been um, pointing to themselves as being a guilty party. And you'd rather get the information, you know, and and if they say, oh, I'm psychic, all right, whatever. You know, I watch enough episodes of Psych and stuff like that to enjoy it. I've actually been re- reviewing uh, some old X-Files and stuff like that. What a fun series. Um, but, you know, most of the time in those things, it turns out it's somebody with, you know, an agenda or, or they're misinterpreting things or whatever. Anyway, back to reality. Right. Um, <laughs> You, the, the police have to follow up on any kind of a lead that makes sense. Even from a psychic, but, does it make sense if you say, well, I, 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 I saw it clairvoyantly? If you, if you admit right out that that's the only evidence you have is yeah. psychic evidence? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I guess I would say no. That's not real evidence. That's not a real, that's not nothing real to work with. There is no. I just, again, I, I don't know what you would do if you were the cop and, you know, it turns out, like I said, this if this one had turned out to be true, based on um, I don't something else. Obviously, it's I, I I'm not trying to suggest that it did come in from any kind of psychic ability, but you know, I guess maybe I'm kind of thinking along the lines of sometimes people who believe that they are psychic believe that because coincidences happen and they falsely or incorrectly, I should say, attribute knowledge to a psychic power where it really isn't. We've done that on shows before where we talked about, you know, the firemen going into this house and calling for everyone to get the hell out of there. And a minute later, the floor collapsed. And it was because instinctually, he had taken in a lot of information. And though, although he could not point to why he knew that, he did know it, right? 
We've talked about that on here before. So again, if somebody attributes them putting together a whole bunch of little pieces of information into a claim and then someone says, how do you know that? And they can't say, well, you know, the floor was hot and it wasn't enough fire. You know what I'm saying? Whatever led them to that correct conclusion that was in part unconscious or filtered or whatever by their brain, then that could still be potentially good information. Well, I, again, so you've just muddied the waters. It, you've muddied the waters. You've just, you've just, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, this is not a clear cut situation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it's a difficult one. Yeah. So I, I, but, am but, I being yeah, too I generous? I don't know. That this person is bullshit and they knew they were bullshit and they did it for bullshit reasons. I mean, that person, <sighs> yeah, I'd like to see strung up by their thumbs. Yes. I, but, I, I yeah, totally how you agree. prove that? I, I don't know that is. <laughs> yeah, so so this will be an interesting one to actually see what happens. Um, yeah. uh, I, I'm, but I, I don't. I, I am I being too generous? I don't know. Maybe. Now, my thought is, if this person who who did this this hoax, this prank, if it was done for malicious reasons and it was because they had something against that person, that's awesome. <laughs> Oh really? No, no. So we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm, I'm torn on the whole situation because you know certainly it costs a lot of money, um, and and I think it's questionable whether they should have um, pursued it. Maybe they have to. Maybe they don't have a choice. Um, but is should we hold the psychic responsible for getting it wrong? Maybe there are certain times when I think that that would be a good idea. Maybe they think twice about making shit up. Um. Psychic malpractice insurance. Yeah. You know what? That's this, a, yeah. That could be a field. That could be a field. I bet you we can sell it right next to our pet insurance. Yep. Rapture pet insurance. Speaking of which, if you haven't bought your rapture insurance, you know, it, it's probably a little late to get a policy. Yeah, we only have less than two weeks before yeah. the Mayan calendar ends. We're all doomed. <laughs> I think if you get your premiums in, I think they'll insure yeah, you. Yeah, they'll take your money. Absolutely. <laughs> Might as well. It's a sure bet. Right. And if, and if this apocalypse doesn't get you, maybe the next one will. Yeah. I know I'll believe even more fervently in the next apocalypse prediction if this one does not. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's human nature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing another podcast before the end of the world or I don't is know. this we'll, it? We'll talk about it. I, I'm not sure. Um, certainly <laughs> we won't be doing one on the 24th. So we will have to do it before, after, or in between somewhere. I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. So it, so we could be gone potentially till um, our next record date would be um, the 31st. Wow. Oh, yeah. No. And and if the Mayans were right. No, the 24th. No, it, it, not the 31st, the 7th. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if the Mayans are right. Or actually, we shouldn't say that because the Mayans didn't actually predict it. That if is the yokel, the idiots that are predicting it. <laughs> yeah, the the Mayans. Well said. Yeah, the Mayans <laughs> don't believe it. So, yeah. So yeah. So um, I guess we'd call them the aluminum age idiots to wrap them <laughs> up in a nice idiots. bundle. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the tinfoil hat age idiots. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. It could be. It, it could be um, January seventh. Could be our next record date. Um, I, I'd like to try and squeeze something in, in there, in between there. Maybe I can put something together. We can find a time, but certainly, um, the 24th, we will not be recording, okay. but maybe Sunday, the 23rd. Yep. We can going, talk. Are you going to midnight mass or? Oh, man, I forgot about midnight mass. <laughs>
The kids are going to be so upset, but I think I better just put it off with better podcast instead. <laughs> right, we can talk about this off the air. Do we have anything else? I don't. That's it. If we don't talk to you, have everybody have a happy holiday Absolutely. or however you choose to celebrate, if you choose to celebrate, and a great new year. All right. You know. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, no derivative, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 